E-A-B-L-E-S. Ebels. Remember that name because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers. The Ebels story began with the search for something natural to help manage chronic migraines. But Ebels helps more than just migraines. From managing chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, Ebels is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly, Brian Nichols, here on The Brian Nichols Show, can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebels having a herniated disc in my back, coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything to help manage my pain. That is until Ebels. With the best quality product and customer service in the industry, Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil and Ebels Freeze Gel easily stand above all the competition. And right now, Ebels is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience on all orders. All you have to do is head to Ebels.com and use promo code TBNS, the Brian Nichols Show, right? TBNS at checkout. That's it. Discount applied. Again, the code is TBNS at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest quality CBD on the market. One more time, it is code TBNS at checkout. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. (laughs) Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Friday, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Did you get your Christmas shopping done yet? Because we are officially the first Friday of December. There's like, what, four weeks left, if that? So time is of the essence. And uh, speaking of time is of the essence, yes, welcome to today's episode of The Brian Nichols Show. Today's guest they, they are always focusing on making sure they're utilizing their time as most efficiently as possible, and that is the crew over at Young Americans for Liberty, and today I'm joined by Cliff Maloney, president of Young Americans for Liberty, because when they're talking about time being of the essence, it's because usually we have an election that they're aiming to uh, to make sure that they have all their doors knocked for, and uh, Cliff Maloney joins the show to discuss just that, the wins that Young Americans had, uh, Young Americans for Liberty, that is, had as they went towards the 2020 election cycle. We had a lot of great wins, and uh, Cliff will outline those, but also, he lays out the blueprint how to actually make Liberty win. If you're a libertarian candidate, or if you're just a, a small L liberty lover, and you're looking to see how can you actually get involved and have some real lasting success, well, Young Americans for Liberty gives you the blueprint. So, with that being said... On to the show, Cliff Maloney here on The Brian Nichols Show. Brian, great to be here as always. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Cliff. I like to have you on the show, especially after uh, some wins like you guys had there at Young Americans for Liberty. You guys are doing some phenomenal work. And I mean, obviously, for longtime listeners here of The Brian Nichols Show, they're familiar with your story and Young Americans for Liberty's story. But let's kind of um, set the stage here for some of the newer uh, folks, because we've been growing leaps and bounds here over the past few months. So who are this this group called Young Americans for Liberty? And, and what's your role? As, as president, I guess, kind of what has been your focus in enacting a liberty policy and actually getting some liberty-focused uh, legislators and, and representatives elected? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think, look, for the past decade, I think those of us that believe in the principles of liberty, you know, I define that as free market, civil liberties, and peace. Those of us who have really said, okay, how can we be effective 
uh, not just in reaching people, but in, you know, trying to uh, get the uh, legislative process somewhere where, where they will at least listen to these ideas, um, you know, and figure out ways to defend ourselves, you know, to, to, to maintain our liberty. And so Young Americans for Liberty, you know, we made a decision. I got off doing the Rand Paul 2016 race. Um, and after that, I kind of sat back and said, look, where can we actually make a difference for these ideas? And like you said, I mean, I've probably talked to your listeners about this before, but we decided on this program called Operation Win at the Door. And the idea was simple. I mean, it's an experiment. I've, I've started calling it that. And uh, we, we just had our legislators all at their orientation, if you will, um, last weekend. So we, we can talk a little bit about that. But it is it's an experiment which said, look, if we can go out and knock doors and identify candidates to knock doors for at the state level, that believe in these principles of liberty because we feel we can actually make a difference in those races. If we can go out and win those, win those in the amount of 250 races by the end of 2022, we think we could actually have an infrastructure, a foundation to take the country back. And so Operation Win at the Door was launched in 2018 as kind of a pilot program. Uh, Through 2018 and 2019, we won 56 races. And this past November 3rd, I'm happy to say, look, We were on the ballot in 153 uh, different Liberty candidates who we had on the ballot, 123 of them won, which I'm still trying to catch my breath on because, you know, we don't pick the easiest of races. Um, But it was it was exciting. And so that brings our total to 179. Uh, We do have one runoff that is ongoing in Texas. But uh, right now we're at 179 total Liberty legislators elected. And that's the experiment. And that's the question I'd ask all of your listeners, Brian, is does that make a difference for the country? If we elect 250 of these Rand Paul types by the end of 2022, that's about 5% of the entire country's state house seats. In my opinion, my humble opinion, it makes a hell of a difference for liberty. And I think we finally got a plan that's not only measurable, but it's scalable. And you're seeing that with our results. Oh, my God. Not only I mean, right there. Right. So I'm KPI oriented. I'm a sales guy by trade. 56 wins in 2018, 123 in 2020. So you more than doubled what you guys did in 2018. And you're on path to double it again in 2022. I say by 2024, it's not even out of the realm of possibility. You guys could have ballpark upwards of 500 representatives in office. And I don't get how there could be any pushback whatsoever. That number is, quite frankly, not to uh, to quote Trump, huge. I mean, that is a huge, huge number. And I mean, right there to your point, Cliff, right? Like it's an objectively measurable number. And it's scalable. We can apply what you guys are doing at Young Americans for Liberty. And, and candidly, you started to discuss it. You decided that the way that you're finding success has been actually meeting people quite literally where they're at, knocking at their physical door. Dig into that more. What has been the experience of actually like having your your um, activists actually going out, knocking on doors and talking to the voters face to face? Yeah, so I think there's two big decisions for anybody that decides that they want to get involved in electoral politics and try to move the needle. Now, let me let me take one step back. Okay, a lot of people have asked me, Cliff, is Yao moving from the educational model to the political model? No, I think what people have to realize is I see the political path as a way to get microphones to then educate, right? And the, the example I use is this. If Brian Nichols, uh, let, me, let me call you out, Brian, you'll enjoy this. So if Brian Nichols has an opinion 
on the Pennsylvania state income tax. And he goes and tries to get some reporter to let him write an op-ed or the reporter wants to take a comment. You know, the headline will say local schmuck wants to get rid of income tax, right? But if Brian Nichols puts together a campaign and, you know, can, can get six, seven, 8,000 people to vote for him to be a Pennsylvania state rep, guess what? Now the, you know, the op-ed's published. The headline is, you know, state representative Nichols steps forward to abolish the state income tax. In my opinion, it's a bunch of horseshit. Excuse my, my French, but it's, that's the world we live in is it's about credibility. And so what I tell people is, even if you're out there saying, well, you know, I don't really want to get involved in the political process. Look, it's a way to obtain microphones. And if you can have a microphone, you can reach more people, you've got credibility. And it's a perception problem that so many people have with our ideas where they think, well, those are fringe. Not if they're coming from inside the state house chamber. Okay. So let me start with that. If you decide, hey, political electoral politics is how I want to make a difference. You have two decisions to make. One is where do you target? What level of government? I don't believe a lot of these 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 organizations or, or PACs, they are a little spread thin, meaning they they kind of decide, oh, we're going to do school board races. We're going to do state legislative races. We'll do federal races. We'll do Senate governor races, presidential races. I, I would encourage all your listeners, a book that changed my life is a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins. Um, it's really, if you read it, you will understand a lot of the decisions we have made at YAL. You will see why we've gone from a $2 million organization to a nearly $12 million organization in three years. And I give Jim Collins a lot of credit for this because it's about focus, right? It's about owning what you're trying to do, being extremely clear about it. He calls it the hedgehog effect, picking one thing you can be the best in the world at and not being shy about it. Right. That's why on every interview, every every time I get a chance to talk about Operation Went at the Door, I go all in on that 250 by 2022. And people thought I was nuts. You know, two years ago, oh, you know, gosh, that's a big number. You better be careful. But look, we inspired a lot of people. So you have two things to choose, the tactic and then where you focus. So we decided on state level because we can make an impact. And the tactic, this was your original question, the tactic we picked was door knocking. And here, here's some stuff, you know, I'll give Justin Grice, our vice president of grassroots who runs all of our political operations, I'll give Justin some credit. Justin really understood and really, you know, there's some, some good metrics and data on this. You can look at what is the best bang for your buck. You know, you can honestly weigh this. There's, there's good literature on this, academic literature, that really shows, you know, what it costs per door to add a new vote, what it costs per phone call, what it costs per piece of mail. And what I'll share with you is this, one out of every nine conversations that you have with someone at their door, a registered voter at their door, adds one new vote. Let me say it one more time because it's very important. One out of every nine conversations you have at the door adds one new vote for your candidate. And so when you compare that and, and some of these numbers, you know, when you look at how many pieces of mail you have to send how many phone calls you have to make. It's just not even close. And so we decided we have people, so we have a grassroots. We're not going to spend money on mail, on digital, on radio, on TV. Anybody with a million bucks can write a check and you can hire a consultant and do that. The difference is we're doing the thing that is most effective that nobody wants to do. And that is why I am not afraid. When we first launched this, I was kind of quiet about sharing all the strategies. No one's out there knocking doors for Jeb Bush. No one's out there knocking doors for Joe Biden, right? 
when people don't believe in something, no one is, is inspired to go out and do this type of work. Knocking doors is a pain in the ass. That's why we're effective, because our students love the principles of liberty so much that they're willing to go out there and have those conversations that give us the best bang for our buck. I'm smiling because, I mean, you just hit every single like answer to every sales guy's question is, how can I take the next step? It says, what do you do currently that you can do better? And if it's something that you can do better, that's difficult. Good. If it makes you uncomfortable, get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's how you progress. And to your point, going from good to great, it requires you to focus on those things that are going to actually get you moving forward, right? And things you can measure. So like, I mean, I'm going back to when I was a consultant, right? Out in, out in the field, actually, you know, meeting with IT directors face to face. And one of the things that I did different was instead of sitting behind the desk and doing calls all day, trying to get people on the phone, I went out and I knocked on doors. I mean, back pre-COVID, right? Going out and, and having a face to a name or to the company, it means so much more. And, and to your point, nobody else is out there doing it. Like the, the idea, like the days of like the, the person going and knocking on doors is dead. And, and like, no, that's not true. And when you actually, to your point, you do it, you have numbers you can refer back to. One out of nine conversations yields one vote. That's an objective metric that you can then say, okay, how can we scale this up? You can, you can look at, you know, in Philadelphia, if you were running for city council, you can say here, we can put, you know, knock on nine doors and know you're going to get one vote. That's a big deal. So I guess my question would be, why hasn't this been adopted by other organizations if they can see that it works? Is it that they just don't want to put in the extra effort or, or something else? You know, it's interesting to me. I think uh, when we made the leap to really own the state level, uh, a lot of uh, funding, a lot of donors, a lot of investors, they are not, uh, they don't have the uh, muscle memory of giving to states, right? I mean, this is, this is a, a big challenge I got from a lot of people when we were thinking about doing this was, you know, if you do this, people care about the presidential race, right? People care about the Senate race. Investors care about Congress. It's sexy, right? It's, it's what the national media is talking about. But if you all of a sudden you know, say, hey, we're not going to touch that, right? Like people are almost turned off by that. If you're like, no, listen, we're going to go all in on these state races because we're playing the long game, right? And to be frank, it's not the long game. It's the here and now. Look at COVID. I mean, literally the people we've gotten elected are leading the fights against some of these tyrannical governors. That, yeah, that cannot be understated. That is so important. Yeah, and I tell people, you know, the joke was, well, state government, you know, if you look at the trends of like when people would say state government is important, or, you know, uh, something that is, is necessary. Uh, it's kind of funny. I mean, this this year is kind of when it spiked because people are looking for people to stand up to these governors. Right. Um, but I'll share with you, Brian, you know, I had a conversation once with a gentleman named John Bruner, who um, is a great, great patriot from Missouri. And he was one of the first people. He said, you know, Cliff, he says, people say, don't put all your eggs in the same basket. And he said they got it half right. And he said, uh, you need to put all your eggs in the right basket, right? And what he was saying was, you know, if, if, if you really go all in on this state effort, um, and like you said, if you do something that none of these other groups want to do, um, people will follow, right? The students will become inspired. They will see the plan. They will understand it. They will get on board. Investors will start to see, um, you know, the, the, the ROI on what they are trying to do. And uh, he was exactly right. And it's been this kind of crazy path of 
when we first launched it, you know, we kind of were worried, you know, we'll, we'll see where this goes, but we were confident, we were focused, we had a plan and uh, we avoid the shiny objects. You know, I get calls every day, you know, hey, we've got this mayor race. Hey, we've got this school board race. Hey, we've got this congressional race. That's great. We've got plenty of activists that would love to get involved. I'm, I'm happy to send resumes and connect you. But the money we raise at Yale, the money we spend at Yale, the infrastructure we're building at Yale, it's about taking over our state legislatures. And by the way, you know, we use the term build the bench. The funny thing about halfway through using this is, you know, build the bench is because people get excited about a bench for Congress. COVID has taught us that, you know, the bench, uh, the bench is in the states, right? The bench is, is not necessarily leaping to Congress. The bench is standing and fighting for liberty, or as John Bruner would say, stand with liberty in these states and, and be a loud vocal voice um, for the principles of liberty. So, that's a, a, a long answer to a short question, um, you know, which is we're fighting. I don't know why other groups don't do it, um, but I really do because it's tough. It's tough to take that leap. It's tough to have the courage. Um, and you've got to break the mold. I mean, every single investor, every single activist, they care about what they hear about. And that's the U.S. Senate. That's presidential races. And that's congressional. But remember, 10 years from now, I'm not going to move the goalpost yet. 250 is still our number. But 10 years from now, you know, when you've got kind of this infrastructure that's real and a foundation for liberty across the country, uh, you'll look back to the Al students that made it possible. That's what, you know, gets me out of bed every morning. And I'm excited to see 10 years from now when we can look to the specific states that you have had, you know, some some really significant wins in, right? And then to be able to measure that impact from a policy perspective, I think that's going to be even better because now we can extrapolate it beyond just saying, hey, we're winning to now, hey, we're making a real impact in these specific states. And, you know, I'm seeing it even up in my home neck of the woods. You know, I have a gentleman uh, named Mark Walzik. Mark's one of my my good family friends, and he ran for uh, New York State Assembly, and he's a, you know, I'd say a GOP leaning um libertarian right and and um i'm sorry let me rephrase that a libertarian leaning gop here and and with that right he won as a republican and he is now having a platform to your point he has the microphones where he's trying to get it so new york state will change the way that the new york state senate actually is organized so instead of having you know uh per certain demographic of, of uh, number of population it'd be each individual county has their own new york state senator so almost like an electoral college on a state level and like that right there would not have happened if he didn't have that microphone and now it's almost like the Trump effect, right? Now they're actually putting that into the conversation and it's forcing people to have the conversation. And and now you take it a step further. Now, if we're getting enough people into office, it can go beyond just having a conversation and actually going into into law. And, and, and in some cases, pulling law back, getting getting the government out of the way, allowing the, the people really to, to function. And, and really, to your point, right, you're focusing on federal or uh, federalist approach to elections. And that's, I think, we're seeing right now the the value in that. You, you started to touch on it, but like COVID is it, it it really it's making it very apparent that if you do not have your localities in order, that like it can really have some devastating impacts. I mean, here in Philadelphia, for example, we didn't have the trash collected for over a month at one point in time at the peak of COVID, and, and that speaks to just the inefficiencies built up in in you know in governance like here in in you know. That's something that we need to talk to more of. We need to be able to speak up more and say, hey, listen, we are offering real substantive alternatives. But to your point, 
how do you actually get to reaching people? And and you're you're knocking on doors, you're doing the hard work, and that's what has to be done. Now, to take it a step further, when you're knocking on doors, right? One of the things that we talk about here on the show, and when we're selling liberty, is talking uh, to people, entering the conversation that they're already having in their own minds, right? So when you guys are knocking on doors, what's like the number one issue that your activists are finding that is really driving people to uh, the ballot box? So here's the cool thing about Operation Win at the Door. We're practicing what we preach when it comes to decentralization. So a lot of national organizations make this mistake, even if they do federal races, which is they go in and they have some national message, right? They have some message that they think is going to work in every district. We don't have that. Uh, What we do is, look, when we endorse, you know, we have to build our own literature. We have to build our own script. We have to build our own messaging. We, in most states, we cannot coordinate uh, with the campaigns. People don't realize this. I mean, we have to come in as an independent expenditure and we have to run kind of our, our own effort. And I'll tell people, you know, this is why primaries are so important. And let me let me say this as clear as I can, Brian. In primaries, people vote for a candidate. In generals, people vote for a party. And you can tell me, well, you know, I don't do that. I don't care. Look at the numbers. Okay. If somebody walks in, you know how many times we're doing a, a liberty-minded Republican primary and we walk up to the door and they say, oh, don't worry, I'm voting straight ticket Republican. It's like, yeah, 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 no shit you are. Of course you are, because this is literally a Republican primary, right? But what I'm getting at is our method works very well in primaries because we're driving the name ID of our candidate up and people have to vote for a name. They have to pick a name. I want to say it like loud and clear. In a primary, you must pick a name. And in general, you can just pick a party because there's only one person per party in the general election. So I always tell individuals, look, there's about 5,400 seats across the country. 2,000 of them are hardcore Republican. 2,000 are hardcore Democrat. About 1,400 are what you call the swing districts. This is at the state level, uh, lower chambers. So I always tell people, you know, you, you ask about messaging. The bread and butter for Young Americans for Liberty is to get involved in the primary. Now, look, we've won different methods. I've had 178 wins with Liberty Republicans, people running as GOP that believe in libertarian ideals. I've had one success story, Marshall Burt in Wyoming. First time this has happened since 2000, where somebody running on the libertarian ticket actually won. Love Marshall. Just got to spend some time with him this past week. And uh, look, he took out a Democrat incumbent running as a libertarian. It's great. I'm excited to see what he can do. But the reality is Yao has no loyalty to party. Loyalty is always the principle. I've said this before on your show. I will always continue to say that, which means the GOP hates me, which means the LP hates me, which means the Constitution Party hates me and the Democrats, you know, they stopped calling me five years ago. So I say all this because you ask about messaging. If you stick to the primary model and you find those 2000 GOP seats where you can get people that believe in the liberty ideas, here's the best part. Run as far to the you know, side of free market, civil liberties and peace as you can. And in a GOP primary, you can be radical. You could say, I want to abolish the income tax, like Rick Becker says uh, up in North Dakota. You can say, I want to take the income tax down to zero, like Andrew Lewis and uh, David Rowe say out there in Pennsylvania, right? You can say some of these radical things in a primary because the GOP base is right there with you. If you look at the GOP base, you look at the GOP platform on economics, you can go all in. You can go all in on economics of making government as small as possible. So every message is different. But the other thing, Brian, I'll tell you that a lot of people don't understand. We are not talking about auditing the Federal Reserve. 
We are not talking about bringing our troops home from the over 120 countries that they're in. We're not talking about the government at the federal level stopping the dragnet data collection. Now, here's the thing. Our students will talk about that if that comes up at the door. But we're talking to people that care about making a living. We're talking to voters who care about putting food on the table. We're talking to voters who care about getting their kids to soccer practice. At the end of the day, all we're trying to do is we're trying to connect the fact that whatever the voter cares about, our candidate is the right candidate for them that represents them. And sure, they believe in libertarian ideals, right? But what people have to realize is at that level, people are not doing some litmus test about where the the, the candidate stands on how many pages they've read of human action. Okay, this is the big difference I feel like a lot of us need to realize, which is we're talking to normal people. And I'm trying to take liberty mainstream. And so I will share with you that the messaging battle, because I get this feedback a lot. People are like, wow, you know, your 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 literature kind of seems like, you know, a generic like great schools, safe neighborhoods, fix the potholes. There's a reason for that, because that's what voters care about. And so if, if, if somebody who's a schmuck from the establishment can use that same messaging and get in and then vote to take all our liberty away, why can't we use that messaging, outwork them, knock more doors, talk to more voters, and then get people in who truly believe in the principles of liberty and they can legislate that way? Bingo. That's our motto at YAL. Bingo. And, and you know what's funny? Dave Smith just did an episode on part of the problem. Literally, it was just called The War on Normal. And and I was like, that is... Pro-, and I actually tweeted, I was like, this is one of the most important episodes he's done in a while because like that is exactly where the LP is losing. That is, and that's why... And I know we don't mean to pick you know, different parties, but like I, I've been very critical from a sales perspective. Like That's why we haven't resonated with people because we're not being normal. We're not talking to people about the things they care about. We they don't care to your point. They don't care about, you know, reading Rothbard. They probably don't know who Rothbard is. And like as soon as we're starting like from a, the mindset of like we have to be teachers, like that's that shouldn't be the political party's job. The political party's job should be like helping get people e- at least interested, pique their interest and then like yes, I'll bring them in and you educators can educate, but like you have to understand that they're not going to be ready, like full blow more libertarians, like level 100, like we are like, we have to give them baby steps. And again, it, it's by meeting them where they're at. Now let's kind of, you know, elephant in the room. This has been like the, the big topic post the election. And it's like, is the GOP actually a vessel to advance pro liberty ideals we've seen some folks who have abandoned the GOP, gop for the lp um and you know i hear the argument saying that it's not friendly to liberty but then i see representatives like congressman massey who's thriving you know as as a republican with a you know an r next to his name but still being a libertarian so i guess cliff you, you know based on your experience what's your position is the is the lp um the only means to enact liberty or is the gop just as a, just as much as a vessel i have a feeling i know where you're going to go with this uh, this answer but why not ask fire away yeah so here's what i'll say i think anyone who spends their time building a party when you're trying to build an ideology is missing the boat anyone who spends their time building any type of party infrastructure i always look at it like this we either build party or you build policy, you build voices, you build principles. And people will say, yeah, but this party's principle. And I hear this argument for the LP and the Constitution Party. I even hear this argument from Republicans, you know, who who uh, different parties claim that, you know, they're, they're building principle. Look, voices matter. People listen to voices. People don't listen to party platforms, right? And so what I tell individuals is this. I've been there. I've been involved with local parties, you know, at in, in different times in my life. 
if you're spending your time building for a party, you're going to get mad because parties are vessels. And then whoever the candidate is now represents that party. And maybe you weren't building for that candidate. That's a problem. So I tell individuals, look, figure out the best vehicle to advance your ideas, the best vehicle for a candidate you believe in to win. Um, I've told people before, if I have a candidate who wants to get rid of the income tax, who wants to slash property taxes, who wants to actually protect civil liberties, who will you know, pass a Defend the Guard Act to stop some of these crazy governors, um, I don't care if they run as Democrats, right? I would love to endorse a Democrat if they believe in actually giving power back to the people. And, and people are surprised to hear that from me. It's like, well, you know, you go on TV and you debate the Democrats a lot in kind of the Republican seat. And I'm like, look, I go on TV or I do things or I, I, I speak out because I believe in free markets, right? And so however people want to frame it, they can frame it. But I think the more people focus on policy, the more people focus on principle, and the less they focus on party, the more successful it'll be. But look, the internet trolls and the keyboard warriors, they love to talk about party politics. They love to talk about labels. It's all noise. It's all BS. The truth is, those that write the laws that we live under, if I can get somebody in that will actually give me my liberty back or that will defend the current liberty I have, that's the battle here, right? If I can get somebody to have a microphone so a few other people hear the message of liberty and say, you know what? I never thought about the proper role of government. And COVID has been this huge opportunity for that. So I think anyone who spends time arguing the semantics of party politics and if they should build, my only advice is if you believe in an ideology and you believe in, in really advancing a cause, focus on getting people elected or focus on getting microphones to actually build around those ideas, not around any party label, because parties will disappoint you. People will disappoint you, but at least with people, you know, it doesn't become something where you've got to own it if somebody you disagree with takes the mantle. That would be my advice. Oh, man. Cliff Maloney, we could go on forever, my friend. But unfortunately, we're already up against time. Young Americans for Liberty, I guess, give us a sneak peek as we head into 2022. So obviously, we, we talked about the vision, 250 representatives, um, you know, some wins there for Young Americans for Liberty. What else can we expect to see as you guys are progressing here over the next few years? Yeah, so in 2021, we're going to focus very heavily on building our campus apparatus. We're looking to get 100,000 new signups. Uh, people kind of miss the boat and they look at all the political stuff. But look, we got to have a youth army to deploy, right? So step one is building the youth army. We're doing that on campus by recruiting all these students. Uh, we're going to be launching our big event, Mobilize 2021, shortly. We'll have details about that, but tentatively scheduled for August. We'd love to have you come out, Brian, get on Media Row. Um, but the reality is, uh, look, if people out there want to chip in, yaliberty.org, if people are thinking about running, uh, we do have a Liberty Candidate Academy. We're going to run a bunch of those across the country, a one-day training, teach you how to run for office, how to win, and then most importantly, how to stay principled. Um, and then, look, others that uh, want to get involved knocking doors or with our campus operations, I mean, we'd love to have everybody. But those are the three things we need. Uh, here at YL, we need door knockers, we need funders, and we need candidates. And uh, I think we've got a plan. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this line, Brian. Somebody said this to me once. They said, uh, they were at this event and they asked this speaker, they said, what do you think of YAL's plan to take over the, the state legislatures with these people who believe in liberty? And this was like a neocon asking it, right? And the speaker said, uh, well, what's the other plan? <laughs> and I, I don't mean it like our plan is not uh, one that is working. It is working. 
But I will say the one thing uh, that I, I will kind of challenge the whole movement on is, look, come up with whatever plan you want, but measure what you're doing. You know, as we say, plan, prepare, act, and evaluate. You've got to actually have a plan. You've got to actually prepare it. You need to execute the plan. Then you've got to evaluate, you know, what worked, what didn't work. What can we do better? You know, YL, when we lose, I look at it as a huge opportunity. We learn from every loss we have. And if we're not, then we're doing something wrong. So I would just share that I think the plan's there. I think Operation Win at the Door getting a 250 wins changes the country. Uh, But this is just the beginning. We're just getting started. And uh, I'm happy to see where we go and what this means for everybody's liberty throughout America. It's amazing what happens when you apply the concepts of liberty that we talk about and you apply it to a great organization like Young Americans for Liberty. The wins will just keep on coming. And in this case, doubling every few years. Cliff Maloney, Young Americans for Liberty, as always, a pleasure. Thank you, my friend, for joining the show. Thanks for everything you do, Brian. We'll see you now. A quick read from our new sponsor, and that is the Expat Money Show. Now, if you are a longtime listener or even a relatively new listener here on the Brian Nichols Show, then you remember our good friend Mikkel Thorup from the Expat Money Show. What an episode to learn that just because you were born in one country doesn't mean that you have to pay your taxes there forever to do your banking there or to have your investments there, raise your family there, or even have your companies register there, learn there, get your kids educated there, or even live your life there. How about that? You can go ahead and live your life wherever it is you see fit, because the Expat Money Show, which is hosted by our friend Mikkel Thorup, originally started as a podcast but has grown to a worldwide community of entrepreneurs who are living international location, independent lifestyles. Mikkel is focused on helping you live an international life by looking at problems through the lens of global solutions. In this day and age, there is no reason you should let borders get in the way of having the best the world has to offer. So, Brian Nichols Show audience, head over to the Expat Money Show today. Give Mikkel a subscribe, a fantastic show, and tell him that Brian Nichols sent you. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with President of Young Americans for Liberty, Cliff Maloney, and as always, a fantastic conversation. Cliff knows how to actually get this stuff into action because he's doing it, and his amazing activists at Young Americans for Liberty are doing it. So please, if you have not had the chance yet, go ahead and support Young Americans for Liberty. If you are a college student or if you are of the younger uh, generation, please give me a buzz. I'd be more than happy to hook you up with your uh, your local Young Americans for Liberty chapter affiliate. Uh, and again, all the great work that Cliff is doing and Young Americans for doing, I'll make sure I include the links to all their social media and contact info in the show notes so you can go ahead and make sure you're doing your part to support Young Americans for Liberty as well. So heading into next week, yes, we have have, of course, three amazing guests, and it's going to be a little different next week, because the first episode is going to be starting out with a gentleman named Steve Mellink. Now, Steve is the CEO of Mellink Incorporated, and he actually is joining the show to discuss his new book, well, newer book, Fusion Capitalism. Now, Steve makes an overtly non-libertarian pitch, and that is that we should be taxing carbon uh, to help mitigate the, quote-unquote, impending climate crisis. Now, those of you who have listened to the Brian Nichols Show uh, for a while, you know I've had Alex Epstein on the show, Steve Malloy, Trump's former uh, EPA transition chair. So 
definitely have a little bit of a different perspective uh, than Steve brings to the show here on Monday, but nonetheless, it is a great conversation, and it's important because we get to hear more specifically some of the approaches that, I don't want to say Steve's on the left, because he's not, he's a conservative, and he identifies as a conservative, but his proposals are definitely more left-leaning and, and state-oriented, so it gives us more of a, a peek behind the curtain of how that that process really is working, and, and kind of gives us a chance, I think, to maybe help rectify a lot of the issues preemptively through market-based solutions. So Monday, Steve Melink is joining the show uh, to discuss that. Coming up on Wednesday, John Ziegler from Media, he actually is returning to the show, but it was back in a different iteration of the Brian Nichols Show from the TLR days, around the Republic days, so John's joined the Brian Nichols Show to uh, do kind of a a post-Trump presidency uh, in review. Now, John was a never-Trump conservative, uh, and truly like an actual conservative, not like your Rick Wilsons out there, but actually believes conservative values. And I would say he's actually more libertarian-leaning in his his ideas. Been a a frequent guest on Felony Friday over on Lines of Liberty. And really, John joins to discuss not only just the Trump presidency in review, but the future for America as a country. How do we uh, really move forward and be able to have civil dialogue, but also, you know, are we able to talk the same language, really? Because we are two very different uh, countries at this point. So, John joins the show on Wednesday to discuss that, and then coming up on Friday, of course, good friend of the show, Brad Palumbo from the amazing new podcast, Breaking Boundaries. He returns to the show to discuss all the great work he's been doing over at Fee, specifically now starting to look at this uh, student loan debt crisis and the possible cancellation of, uh, it's like, what, one trillion some odd dollars of student loan debt. So, Brad joins with his economic brain to tell us why that is an absolutely horrible, horrible idea. So if you think I'm wrong, we'll make sure you hit the subscribe button to join our episode coming up here next week, including that episode on Friday. Don't miss a single episode. Head over to briannicholsshow.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating and review. And if you have not had the chance yet, folks, follow me on social media at Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, and Parlor.com. You guys know the drill. But with that being said, guys, we've had so many amazing guests here on The Brian Nichols Show this week and so many amazing guests coming up here in the next week. So make sure you strap in, enjoy the upcoming episodes, enjoy the holidays, but more importantly, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Cliff Maloney. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.